got to be sweet to be able to do that kind of thing with your spouse. You know, have two passions and talents that line up. It's got to be fun to do that. You know, my wife and I are really good at cleaning cabins together. And we also love traveling, so I don't know if those really count as applaudable passions, but we'll hang on to what we got. My name's Evan. I know most of you. If I don't know you, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, Before we get into the Bible, God's Word, I want to take a moment just to point out some announcements for you. Fall is a really sweet time within the church culture to slow down and to dig deeper. You know, as the craziness of summer, in terms of the temperatures and activities start to subside, everything starts to get geared up within the church body. Um, And in the bulletin, you'll see various things. Uh, We have small groups um, starting here with Rimrock Downtown. We're going to launch them on September 26, which is a Wednesday, kind of a, a unified start, and then break off into a couple different or a few different small groups that are going to study the sermon series. And small groups, whether it's down here, right, Rimrock up the hill has so many different types of small groups as well. The beauty of it, I heard an analogy once, is that we learn in lines and circles. So we learn in lines and circles. Lines are more of like the input, whether it's a book or a sermon or however you receive through lecture. And circles is the discussion points that we have. And we're, we're built, we're geared to learn in both avenues. And so if you want to go deeper in your understanding of who God is, then I really encourage you to find a circle that can help you process that. Because you can only get so much from listening I say this a lot, but auditory reception, retention is 5%. So you'll retain 5% of what a good speaker says. But when you're involved in discussion, it's like 80, 85%. Also, you get community out of that. And that's what we focused on last night and tonight. You'll see the power of community to help you live the life that God wanted you to live. Uh, So small groups, um, let me know or anybody else know if you've got questions on those. Also, uh, just... There's a, a, a lot of different Sunday school classes starting and a Wednesday night group that's starting. But uh, starting tomorrow at 9 o'clock, there's a class that is all about parents learning how to raise their kids in, in this faith, to instill our beliefs, to teach them about who Jesus is, and to raise them in that way. And that starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow at our main campus um, so if that kind of fits with where you're at in life and what you got going on, um, feel free to come talk to me for more details. So we're week two into a six-week series uh, where we're looking at the idea of loving God and loving others, individually and collectively. And the basic premise is that we are called, above all else, to love God with our heart, with our soul, with our strength, and with our mind. Jesus says that's number one. He says that's the whole reason the Old Testament was written. That's what it was pointing to, was telling us to love God. And the second is similar, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the idea of this series is looking at the various tools, weapons that God gives us individually and collectively to help us love God and love others. Last week we looked at community, um, and we're going to do that again tonight. And the reason why community is such an important part of this concept of loving God and loving others is because we are not created to live life alone. At times, solitude is essential. But for a strong majority of our days in this life, we are designed to operate in the midst of others. 
Throughout the entire Bible, we see God establishing communities of his people. He brings together those who have been individually redeemed and then gives them instructions on how to operate collectively. A community is defined as those with a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Now, biblical communities are built on the shared belief in in the God of the Bible and the power of Jesus through his death and resurrection. That's crucial. Those are the two foundational points for a biblical community. And they can be made up of two or a thousand people. God-centered communities are marriages, families, friendships, small groups, churches. Now, we're going to really focus in on 1 Peter 2. So if you've got a Bible, electronic Bible, whatever, I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to spend a lot of time looking at Peter's view on community. So 1 Peter 2, specifically 4 through 9. We'll just slowly work through it. All right, so First Peter 2, 4 through 6. And man, my heart, if you know me, is just to show you the Bible so that way you get home and you open it up and you dig into it yourself. I just push you towards God and his words, not my words, because he wants to interact with your minds. And that's a major reason why we have the Bible. Anyway, First Peter 2. Come to him, a living stone, Though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Now we see Peter uses the analogy of God's redeemed being living stones that can be built into a spiritual house. Now the importance of stones or bricks being placed together is obvious. If you scatter a hundred bricks in a field, they would serve very little purpose. They could at times be used to accomplish small things like a paperweight or a hammer or trying to kill a bird. But if you specifically stack them, then their worth exponentially grows. Walls can be used to provide safety and protection. Behind them, people can gather and live good lives. Now, it's important to remember, to recognize before we start looking at us collectively, that God created us each uniquely. We have all been made with certain talents and spiritual gifts that can be used in special and incredible ways to bring God glory and to love others. But when we choose to operate alone, our impact on this world is very limited, like a brick in the middle of a field. We are still at times able to be used by God to bring his goodness into broken lives, but it falls significantly short of when we choose to be a part of the bigger structure. Now in verse 5, we see Peter encourage us to let ourselves be built into a spiritual house. He makes it obvious that it is our choice to be used to be a part of a greater collective. So often for myself and I think humanity in general, due to our pride and insecurity, we remain isolated. Either we believe that we do not need to be a part of something bigger because we are good enough to do things on our own, 
or we believe that we are not good enough to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. But I believe that we can use Peter's analogy to help us fight our natural tendencies. To combat our pride, we must remember that a soul brick is only capable of experiencing and doing so much that we are able to experience and do significantly less good when we choose to operate alone. To fight against our insecurities, we need to remember that a brick is made to be a part of the overall wall, that we are created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And when we choose to humbly trust God and to believe that he is going to work within us, that he wants to use us collectively to accomplish his will, then we are being built into a spiritual house. Let's take a little time to explain this idea of a spiritual house. You know, it's a spiritual house or the temple would be another way that Peter probably would have referred to it, was a place where people went to experience God's power and his grace. It is a place where people came together to learn about who God is by hearing about stories from other people who had experienced God. It was where the community gathered. In the temple, relationships were built. Out of these relationships came support, encouragement, laughter. It was a place where people genuinely loved one another. Last week, we looked at how a God-centered community can support those involved, regardless of what circumstance they are experiencing. We examined three distinguishing traits of this type of community. The people involved, number one, are committed to loving and supporting one another. They also meet together on a regular basis to worship and learn about God. And the last part is that they live life together outside of the Christian bubble. When they operate in this fashion, members of the community receive benefits that are crucial to living life well. They are supported emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, in whatever situation, however old their kids are, whatever is going on, they are supported in the place that they are at. From this type of support system, a person is able to far to more fully do what they were created and redeemed to do. Remember, love God and love others. Now, this is a foundational purpose of the spiritual house that the living stones are built into. Supporting one another, encouraging one another, building one another up, those involved in the community. Tonight, I want to look at the other side of that same coin. A second fundamental purpose of a God-centered community is to draw people from darkness into God's marvelous light. Let's go back to Peter's living stones analogy. This is really where I want to focus on. That way we can get some sort of visual, concrete understanding. Walls and houses are built to provide people places to build relationship and to grow in love for one another. But they are also built to protect, to provide a place of safety from the danger of the world outside. This is what we have been called to be for people who are still lost in the darkness of this world a place of refuge. Now, a foundational way in which we do this is by showing them God's love. And Peter kind of shows us how to do this. Halfway through through verse five, we see he changes in his analogy from a spiritual house to a holy priesthood. 
We are not just being built to be a place that offers safety and comfort. We are called to be an active part in God's redemption of our broken worlds. Now let me explain the priesthood a little bit just so we can get a better understanding. Now priests were an instrumental tool used by God to bring people to a state of redemption. They were representatives of God who would teach others about God, his goodness, and a way that a person could experience reconciliation with him, which is the sacrificial system. Now, when an individual wanted this reconciliation, they would bring their sacrifices to the priest. This priest would assist them as they humbly laid down their offering on the altar and then gave it to God through fire. Priests were by no means the way that people's sins were forgiven. Please hang on to that. If you have questions with that one, let, please come and talk to me. But priests were by no means the way that people's sins were forgiven. They were simply there to tell people of God and his goodness and come alongside them and encourage them as they individually repented to God. As Peter's description of the priesthood continues, we see that we are a different type of priest than those in the Old Testament. It says to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone that people's spiritual sacrifices are accepted. In verse 6, we see that Jesus is a cornerstone of the spiritual house. Everything we are and everything we are called to do collectively rests firmly on Jesus. That is crucial to understand. Because of this direct connection to Jesus... It's nice because we get a little bit more insight in how we are to walk out our roles as living stones and holy priests. I want to look at two different parts. Number one, we are called to love others. Number two, to spread the gospel of Jesus. So love others. If you wouldn't mind turning to John thirteen thirty-five. Thanks, Seth. Jesus talking. By this you will know, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. I just love how simple Jesus makes it. The most fundamental element of Jesus' ministry is loving everyone. Jesus came to earth in order to demonstrate God's love for every person that he had ever created. Romans 5.8 sums it up as well. But God proves his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to die the sacrificial death for all of mankind because of God's intense love for everyone. As Jesus' representative, his, his living stones, his holy priesthood, we are called to love others and demonstrate that love, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they come from or what current situation they may be facing. We are called individually and collectively to show them compassion. Let's go a little deeper with compassion. It's defined as having sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings and misfortunes for others. It means that we recognize a person's hardship and then show concern through action. 
We don't simply see that a person is suffering and think, man, that's got to suck and keep on living our lives. It means that when we notice a person's pain, we stop even for just a simple mental second and consider how we can show them God's love. Remember, we are his holy priesthood called to come alongside of people in the midst of their brokenness so that they can start to see who God is and what he has in store for them. Since God is love as his representatives, the simplest way that he should approach, that we should approach this is by loving other people. Now love can be easily expressed in such basic ways. Listening to somebody. Instead of waiting for your turn to talk, actually listen to them. Providing them with their basic needs. Food, a cup of coffee, furniture, friendship. A basic way to show someone love is by being non-exclusive and offering them what they need in that moment. You know, there's so many examples that we could share in this room of what it felt like to be loved genuinely in simple ways, but I'll just give you two. Um, when I was 19, something like that, we were coming back from Moab with my brother and his wife and a friend of mine, and the Jeep broke down in the middle of the Utah desert. And within three minutes, a family stopped. They tried to fix it, ended up having to call the tow truck, but they took my brother's wife and my friend back to Denver, 10 hours, which happened to be three hours out of their way. Just a random stranger coming by saying, man, we want to help you out. You know, another example, I don't know how long ago, five, six years ago, I was driving home and they were predicting an early blizzard coming in uh, in September, October, and there was just vagabond-looking young hippie walking in like a construction zone on Highway 16 going the wrong way, right? Just kind of, he looked wild and crazy, but I felt like I was supposed to pull over and he had no idea the storm was coming, hence sandals on. He was just moving across the country doing wherever, going wherever he felt led. And we ended up giving him one of our cabins, hanging out with him for like three, four days. It was by simply providing him with shelter that I got a chance to really grow a relationship with him, bring him down here, let him see who God was. Loving people can be so simple. And when we recognize that that is a fundamental purpose of being a part of this church, and there's endless options on how to love people. The second thing that we're called to do is to share the gospel of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus makes it very plain. Plain and simple. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this is not a suggestion that Jesus gave to his disciples. This is a command. Now, I'm with you on this. Due to our culture's view and our world's view on God and the power of love, it's so easy to forget the essential peace that Jesus plays in one's life. It's easy to get drawn into the open-minded perspective that all paths lead to God and that love is really all we need. Right? The Beatles sang that, didn't they? But remember Peter's analogy. All spiritual sacrifices which lead to reconciliation with God, which is what we all want, come through Jesus. The spiritual house made up of all the redeemed is firmly founded on Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no hope of redemption from the brokenness of this world. 
and think about all the brokenness that so many people experience. It's not just like on a soul level. Right? It's emotionally, mentally, relationally. Jesus can bring restoration to everything. I believe this is why Jesus gave his disciples the command to spread the gospel. That is why a key role of being a living stone is to tell people of the redemption that is found only in Jesus. Let's look at Romans 10. Paul puts it this way. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boom. Salvation through grace and grace alone. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you have been redeemed, then you have been called. Plain and simple. Now, this doesn't mean that we all are gifted and called to be street evangelists, to stand on soapboxes of the corner of 6th and St. Joe. Man, that sounds really ineffective and extremely awkward even for me, who's up here talking to you. But I believe that this means that we must each approach the day, today, tomorrow, whatever day we're in, and all of our relationships through the lens that people are broken and are in need of God's redemptive love that is only found through Jesus. We must also remember that God has created you uniquely and has called you to be his representative. Therefore, he will use you in custom ways to show love and truth to the people that you come in contact with. When we begin approaching our days and relationships through these types of lenses, with a willingness to be used by God how he desires, then I promise you that you will be given opportunities to spread the gospel of Jesus that perfectly fits you in the ways that you are made to exhibit the gospel. Now, some of you might be squirming a bit under this type of approach. You might think, man, it's too bold for me. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I don't live a good enough life to tell people about Jesus. And I get that. But Peter referred to us as a holy priesthood. You hear that adjective, holy, perfect. Because of Jesus and his atoning death, we are a holy priesthood, which means we have been cleansed from our brokenness on a soul level and filled with a holy God who empowers us to be used as his representatives. If you are willing to be used by God, then God will use you in all of your imperfections to show his greatness. As a living stones, as a spiritual house, we are called to love others and tell them about Jesus. Now, there's so many different ways we can apply this calling of loving others and spreading the gospel to us individually and collectively. But as we begin to wrap up tonight, I want to stay in the context of community. Now, 1 Peter 2, 9, we skip some crazy stuff in there about predestination, which I'd love to talk to you about if you want to go there. But 2, 9 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter clearly states why we have been redeemed. 
a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people are all referring to a community of those who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called to love other people. We are called to proclaim Jesus' goodness. You know, instead of getting into specific application points, I want us to walk away understanding the concept that Peter is giving. As a community, we have far more power to live out our calling of loving other people than we do alone. A spiritual house is able to provide far more of a refuge than a single living stone. A priesthood can come alongside so many more people than a single priest can. When we embrace that our community, Rimrock as a whole, right? Rimrock up the hill, Rimrock downtown, Rimrock as a whole, is collectively called to proclaim the mighty acts of our Redeemer, then we will be in a position to be used by God to bring His goodness into the heart of this city. Look where we're located at. When you bring your passions and ideas for loving people and sharing Jesus to this community, then you can be supported to do far more than you can do alone. When you come alongside other people and support their ideas, we're going to be delivering furniture to the poor on Monday through Love, Inc. The fourth Monday of every month will be down at the Cornerstone. When you come alongside people and their ideas, then you can be a part of God's goodness breaking into our world. God has placed this community in this location for a specific reason. I just feel it at the core of who I am. We together have the ability to love people and tell them about Jesus from our downtown. We have the ability to create a culture in this place that is God-centered and non-exclusive. Doesn't matter who you are, what you're going through, what you look like. We can open our doors and be a place of refuge for those walking by, whoever they may be, regardless of what they're going through. Now, I believe that Rimrock Downtown is just being formed by God. It's been around for a while, but there's major pieces coming in play over the last six months. If we understand and embrace the power of our community and our collective call to love others and tell them about Jesus, then I know that God will use this church to change people's lives. There's no other way that I can interpret what we're reading in 1 Peter. But it is up to us to let God build us into the spiritual house that he is creating for this time and this place. I want to end with a bit of a story just to kind of really capture your attention. So I got a a buddy who used to work at a summer camp, and he was in charge of maintenance for a while. And they would drive around in their gators and see a pile of dirt or see some shovels or see a trash can and be like, man, when are they going to take care of that? Man, when are they going to fix that hole? When are they going to enter that trash? And it dawned on him that we are they. He even had shirts made. So we walk around this world. Our world, downtown here, Rapid City, your workplaces, wherever you're at. And we see brokenness, whether it's physical, mental, relational, it's there. We can notice it. And we often think, man, when are they going to get together? When are people going to come alongside of them and help them out? Man, when are they going to figure out what Jesus can bring to their lives? We 
are they. God has specifically made you and placed you where you're at so that way people can understand who he is through you. We are they. Let's pray. Please pray with me. I want this to be collective. God, we are they. We are your living stones, your spiritual house. We are your holy priesthood, and we want to be used by you. Please bring it to our minds individually, the ways that we can bring your goodness to people's lives and give us just a desire to be a part of a bigger project, a bigger community. Knit it within the very core of who we are, a deeper understanding of the importance of being built in with other people to something that you have in play. This is your church. It's not mine. It's not Ben's. This is your church. We are 